Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about the potential impact on the property market and I guess the broader economy that the uh, lockdowns, particularly in uh, Melbourne and Sydney, might have. At the moment, about half of Australia's population is subject to COVID lockdowns. Um, which is a, a pretty significant proportion, obviously, of the population. And it's very possible that uh, these people, Melbourne and Sydney, could remain in lockdown for several weeks or possibly even several months, as, as difficult that, as that is to say, uh, being a Melbourneian in lockdown. <laughs> now, of course, I acknowledge that the impact of COVID lockdowns can be wide-ranging. Um, things like dealing with homeschooling, <laughs> Uh, not seeing family, not enjoying your normal pastimes, to even more severe consequences like business failures, job losses, health challenges, mental health challenges, uh, and those sorts of things. So, of course, we all have a tremendous amount of empathy for the various ways that we're all sort of suffering uh, through the lockdown period. And I don't seek to diminish that by any stretch of the imagination, but of course my blog and podcast today uh, is really focused on the economic, the financial consequences of COVID lockdowns. So I invite you to keep that in the back of your mind so I don't come across too uncaring uh, when discussing the impact of, of lockdowns, of course. Okay, so uh, as the saying goes, uh, history leaves clues, um, and certainly we've been here before. Um, so what have we learned from uh, previous lockdowns, uh, not only in Australia in uh, 2020 last year, um, but also globally? I mean, the themes have been rather consistent um, and there's a you know sort of four key um, observations, I guess, that we've learned from previous lockdowns. Uh, the first one is that low income earners tend to be impacted to a much greater extent. Uh, in fact, it's not uncommon for higher income earners to not experience any negatives, uh, negative impacts of, of lockdowns um, because typically they can work from home, they can continue working from home so they get to retain their employment and, and income, their expenditure drops because they're not allowed to go out of their home and, and uh, pursue their normal pastimes. Uh, so actually they're in a, in a stronger financial position. Whereas if you um, compare that to lower income earners, um, uh, that typically are in industries like hospitality, um, uh, cleaning services, uh, taxi drivers, Uber drivers, those sorts of uh, people. Obviously, they can't do their job from home. Uh, so during a lockdown, they lose their income. Um, and uh, they're typically uh, in, in a weaker financial position, so lower levels of savings and, and those sorts of things. So it's un unfortunate that really COVID um, exact, exacerbates uh, wealth inequality over time, which could be probably one of the longer-lasting economic consequences of, of COVID, which we're going to have to do something about as a society. Um, uh, also, the, the second observation is because people can't undertake their normal sort of, I guess, non-lockdown activities, we, we really ob observe two kind of financial trends with respect to spending. Uh, the first one is the, the saving rate spikes. Uh, so people are saving more money, putting money in offset accounts, uh, those sorts of things, um, uh, which is good because it in, uh, strengthens your personal balance sheet um, and also then creates reserves uh, to fund or fuel uh, a return to spending when uh, lockdown opens. 
secondly, um, people t- tend to spend more on durable goods. You know, they're sort of phones and TVs and appliances and, and these sorts of things. It's been a really um, strong trend, um, a stark trend, really, not only in Australia but around the world. And that's why we see, you know, share prices for Harvey Norman and JB Hi-Fi uh, doing incredibly well. Um, I can only imagine the trend will uh, diminish at some point because kind of how many impli- appliances do you need? Um, but obviously, you know, spending on services drops off and um, spending on durable goods increases. So some sectors of the economy are going to benefit from prolonged lockdowns. Um, number three, uh, whilst there hasn't been an increase in business failures, or at least it's not reflected in insolvency statistics yet, um, it stands to reason that every successive lockdown puts an increasing amount of pressure on um, some businesses, particularly businesses that obviously uh, are greatly impacted by lockdown, like hospitality and so forth. And with each uh, successive lockdown, obviously, it depletes their financial resources. Uh, You know, uh, they've got less resources to kind of survive or get through uh, the lockdown. So I expect, although it's not reflected in any statistics, but I expect, um, uh, particularly in Melbourne, because we've had so many lockdowns, we're on to our six already, uh, and to some extent Sydney, although they've um, had less days in lockdown than, uh, than Melbourne has, I expect it's uh, this particular lockdown will have a greater impact on insolvencies and, and businesses going bust. And, and just anecdotally, walking through the Melbourne CBD, um, over the last couple of months, I've observed a, a much greater number of business closures, uh, so empty shops, empty retail premises, those sorts of things over the last couple of months than uh, than I did uh, definitely did last year. So um, I think uh, that that's going to be particularly centred in CBD locations because... Um, uh, in the suburbs, you know, they're, they're probably um, enjoying increased level of activity and demand because people are working from home. Um, and uh, finally, the fourth uh, observation is that overall, the uh, economic demand post-lockdown tends to bounce back uh, strongly and very fast. Um, so at a macroeconomic level, uh, typically the demand created by higher income earners tends to more than compensate for the lower demand from lower income earners. Um, uh, so that's from an economic, a macroeconomic perspective, that's a, a sort of good outcome. Uh, now, one thing that might be uh, at top of your mind is to say, okay, great, Stuart, we're in these lockdowns, but we don't have JobKeeper. Well, the federal government um, announced a, a few months ago what they call their COVID-19 disaster payment um, uh, program, and that essentially provides uh, a payment of $750 a week for those who have lost more than 20 hours of work due to lockdowns. Um, the At the highest point in, in March last year, uh, JobKeeper was paying $1,500 a fortnight. So really the disaster payment program uh, is on par in terms of dollar value support to those that are being impacted by the lockdowns. Um, interestingly, Deloitte uh, Access Economics um, has done some analysis on this and, and estimates about 2 million Australians have access to the, this disaster payment, the $750 a week. Um, that's in August uh, 2021, so this month. Uh, compared to in March last year, um, 6 million people were accessing JobKeeper. 
Um, so obviously that means there's less money being pumped into the economy uh, through this assistance program. Now, we must remind ourselves that the JobKeeper program was widely criticised for its very untargeted nature. You know, some, some businesses like Harvey Norman uh, claimed JobKeeper, um, then went on to report uh, record profits and dividends. Um, and so, you know, may, maybe you could argue that, okay, uh, six million people really didn't need. Uh, they might have been entitled to JobKeeper, but they didn't need it necessarily to get through. So perhaps the disaster payment package is more f- uh, efficient. I, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what impact it will have. But regardless, we have to remind ourselves that the Australian government, federal government, will rack up. Uh, it's it's um, uh, was was tipped uh, total debt of to, to re- reach uh, one trillion dollars next year. Um, so they've really uh, spent a lot of money getting the economy through this COVID period. Um, and so I don't expect them to stop now. So if that uh, disaster payment isn't going to do the job, I would imagine the government's going to fiddle with it to make sure that the economy's still in a, a good position to bounce back uh, when the reopen happens um, once that vaccine is sort of rolled through. Another impact of the lockdown will be apartment rental incomes, of course, um, because holding everything else uh, equal, apartments tend to be uh, cheaper or more affordable to rent than houses. As such, uh, it stands to reason that uh, more lower-income earners are renting apartments than they they are houses. Um, And whilst that uh, disaster payment, you know, the $750 a week might go uh, some way to minimising financial hardship. It's quite possible that some residential tenants will seek uh, rent relief from their landlords, although there's no, uh, not that I'm aware of, any uh, formal um, uh, program in place to um, entice landlords to do that, not like it was last year. So hopefully um, there's less pain. But even if uh, even if those tenants don't seek uh, any sort of compensation or reduction from landlords, I think it's reasonable to assume over the next couple of years that um, rental income in respect to apartments, there's probably not going to be a lot of uh, room necessarily to increase um, uh, rental levels uh, in that sector. Now, let's talk about the property market. Um, uh, The property market at the moment, I think there's uh, enough underlying demand for, for, for property buyers, um, but certainly the um, confidence levels uh, for vendors uh, remains pretty subdued. And according to realestate.com.au, so the REA group, um, property listings nationally dropped about 10% in July, um, with Melbourne and Sydney, particularly Sydney, uh, experiencing much larger falls. Obviously, July, we weren't uh, fully into lockdown yet, at least not for the full month, I don't think. Um, one-on-one property ex- uh, inspections can still be conducted in Sydney, but not in Melbourne. Uh, so you can't inspect property in Melbourne, and live auctions have been banned in both cities. Um, as such, we saw in Melbourne over the last week of the um, auctions that were scheduled, uh, about half of them were withdrawn from the market, so po- postponed. And I, I think, um, you know, vendor confidence will really remain uh, weak until the risk of additional lockdowns um, uh, evaporates, uh, essentially, I think. Because the, the concern is if I go and put my property on the market, if we're opened up, there's no lockdown, I go and put my property on the market, 
what happens if that sales campaign gets interrupted by a lockdown? You know, do I want to take that risk? Because uh, if, if I'm not under any pressure to sell this year, maybe I'll just postpone to next year um, and sell when the, the, the chance of lockdowns are, are very remote. Uh, fingers crossed that hope that that's the case. Um, and so I think that's how vendors are, are thinking and that's where the concern, the, the primary concern with vendors remains. And so I don't think the property market in terms of supply, so these number of listings, will really return to normal until... Uh, the risk of additional lockdowns evaporates, which is probably not until uh, next year. So I think that means that um, demand will continue to outstrip supply in terms of you know uh, property and housing. Um, obviously difficult to go through a sales campaign in Melbourne, but you could still do that one-on-one in, in Sydney. Um, so I don't think prices are going to drop. Uh, maybe they'll continue to rise, but perhaps not at the uh, pace that we've seen in the past. And um, fingers crossed that, uh, you know, the market gets to kind of return to normal and we'll see, uh, we'll get better statistics about where is the balance because really um, this the market this year has been um, characterised by quite low supply. Um, so, of course, demand's always going to exceed supply. Um, one of the um, challenges that the federal government is going to have uh, during the lockdown will be commodity prices. Um, because uh, last year the federal budget was helped significantly by the increase in, um, and, and certainly the last six months, uh, increase in iron ore prices. So really between December 20 and mid-May, the price of iron ore, this is in US dollars per tonne, increased by about 80%. So in December it was selling for 125 US per tonne, um, and then by mid-May, it was up to $215 per tonne, um, which boosts government revenue through mining royalties and obviously um, increased income tax, uh, company income tax receipts. Um, however, since uh, the start of August this month, uh, iron ore has really come off quite a lot price-wise. It's now trading at about $160 per tonne. Um, and if that trend persists, that's going to leave a bit of a hole in the, the federal budget, um, which might mean uh, greater debt than um, previously forecast, particularly because of, of these ongoing lockdowns. Uh, that means that they're going to need the support of the RBA um, uh, through its um, bond buying program. So the RBA is buying bonds to help um, state and federal governments fund uh, this the, the, the COVID response, if you like. Um, uh, early this month, the RBA said we're going to start tapering off that program, thinking they, they you know, it, that the governments needed less support, um, and they were going to reduce their bond buying um, in September from uh, five billion a week to four billion a week. Um, but I think, given the, uh, the 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 landscapes changed since they made that announcement, I think they're very unlikely to taper. Uh, off that program um, and the RBA has said that they will be quite flexible um, in dealing with some of these things. So this is going to be important um, for the RBA to play a role in making sure that you know, you, you're kind of all in um, from a government perspective, a government uh, supports perspective. You can't pull support now. Um, because it really it really unwinds all the good work you did previously. Um, similarly, in the US, they've been talking about tapering their QE program as well, um, and that uh, created some jitters in the market. Be interested to see what uh, Delta, uh, what the impact of Delta will be in the US. But I imagine the Fed Reserve um, will react the same way as the uh, RBA and 
and stand ready to provide support when needed. Um, another trend that's going to that, that I predict is going to have a pretty um, significant impact on uh, at a macro uh, level from from a property perspective is interstate migration. Uh, now I shared a chart, um, and I've got a link in the show notes and on the blog on the website. But I shared a chart a few weeks ago that showed interstate migration um, has been negative in New South Wales for quite some time. So people really moving out of Sydney. Um, and uh, and has been trending down for Victoria. In fact, uh, the the March quarter for F- Victoria was now negative, uh, pretty significantly negative. Negative. So um, net interstate uh, migration was negative uh, four thousand nine hundred people in in the March quarter, uh, compared to March quarter twenty twenty. It was a positive four hundred ninety uh, people. So that certainly there's a strong trend of people moving out of Victoria. Uh, And I think this trend will continue. Uh, So I think uh, more and more people will move from Melbourne and Sydney uh, up to Queensland, uh, whether that's uh, on the coast or into Brisbane, uh, probably um, both of those uh, locations will will benefit. Uh, And I think perhaps even more people from Melbourne. So I think the trend will be even starker uh, in Melbourne just because the, the lockdowns and restrictions and economic consequences and so forth have been far more draconian than they have in uh, in Sydney or in New South Wales. Uh, so they're, they're, they're likely to create a more severe social and economic impacts. Um, now, if that continues or if that trend um, plays out, that is, you know, a, a, a significant exodus from uh, Melbourne slash Victoria into Queensland, uh, what impact does that have um, for the property market? Well, I think from a uh, an overall macroeconomic level, you would say that, um, uh, that that's going to have an impact. Um, uh, how much? No one really knows. But uh, I like to make sure my commentary is really aimed at the investment grade market because really as investors, that's all we're really worried about. And I, I think it's unlikely to have any material impact on investment grade locations. And the reason why is that these locations tend to benefit from multifaceted demand. Um, so even if one demand factor temporarily subsides, um, and, and I think it is temporal, uh, temporary, by the way, I mean, uh, things move in cycles, we need to remind ourselves of that. Um, then if one factor temporarily subsides, uh, it's unlikely that, you know, that it's likely, sorry, that overall demand will continue to exceed supply, thereby um, resulting in price appreciation. Uh, so I think it will have some impact in some areas, but um, uh, probably zero impact in investment grade locations. Okay, to sum up then, uh, I predict that the investment-grade property market will be largely unaffected by the Melbourne and Sydney uh, lockdowns. Um, Of course, the practicalities of selling means that transaction numbers for probably the rest of this year will continue to be below uh, trend. Um, But of course, uh, there's enough demand to uh, satisfy that small level of supply anyway, so I don't think we're seeing prices fall. Um, once restrictions are lifted uh, and the risk of further lockdowns disappears, I believe that the property market, particularly in investment grade locations, that is, will quickly return to normal. Uh, and, but supply is probably not going to recover until sometime during 2022. Um, uh, so it's really a bit of a holding pattern, I think, for the rest of this year for 
investment grade locations. Of course, some non-investment grade locations, uh, particularly ones that are predominantly occupied by lower income earners, uh, may not fare as well. Regarding the overall economy, I think at at a macroeconomic level, I think the economy will bounce back relatively quickly, Uh, perhaps not as fast as last year, but um, uh, certainly fast enough. Um, However, of course, there's going to be some sectors that will now take a lot longer to recover. I'm talking years, not months, such as hospitality, um, retail, particularly in CBD locations and, and tourism So there you go. That's my crystal ball gazing uh, for this week in terms of the impact of the lockdowns on uh, the residential property market, investment grade property market and the economy. And until next week, uh, bye for now.